gonna look twice at you Until I see the Christ in you Welcome to our conversation about the fourth spiritual principle. I didn't, but he did. We have been exploring these uh, four spiritual principles, borrowing uh, really good work, I think, uh, from Pastor Wood, uh, Woodrick. And um, we say the first principle uh, that we, we explored a few weeks ago um, focuses on identity, uh, who we are in God. I am not, but he is. Right? The second principle focuses on performance and purpose. That was the principle, I can't, but he can. Then the third principle uh, focuses on, on desire. I don't want to, but he wants to. Right? And we come to this last or fourth principle that focuses on humility and perspective. That is my take of this. You know, and I didn't, but he did. So, um, you know, it's, it's uh, at, at this level, I, I think it's, it's hard to disconnect uh, kind of this, this uh, approach to the uh, spiritual principles without acknowledging uh, Pastor uh, Wood, Woodward's story. Um, many of you have heard about him, you know, a pastor that was successful and eventually got uh, this sickness that um, producing him a, a condition that was uh, irreversible, a quadriplegic. So he ended being completely um, paralyzed. You know, all limbs were paralyzed. He was in bed, and, and there's a lot of that of that part of the story. But um, as I mentioned, I think last week, um, identity was shaped. He had some level of success as a pastor, and eventually this sickness came, and uh, and you know he came to 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 uh, I would say to to make peace with this idea that. Uh, the meaning of, of all of this for him was to focus on specific work that he was not completely wanting to do it. And he had the, this awareness, but uh, now he had the time. So the story continues uh, over the years, obviously. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting to read his own account of the story. Um, in the last years of his life, he died, I think, in 2013. Uh, his ministry was probably the most fruitful while he was the less mobile, if that makes sense. He was uh, completely paralyzed, uh, unable to go anywhere, and the influence of his work and his teaching really expanded in an amazing way. You know, this mini, um, mini Bible Institute, I think is the name, was used... Uh, by God in many, many ways, and many countries, many languages. So the point of that, uh, at this level of this principle, you know, I didn't, uh, but he did, it comes, I will say, in two, with two perspectives. First is, is this, this idea of the amazing paradox of the success, if you want, of, of, the, of the growth of his ministry while he was the less able to do anything. I mean, things like that are usually only 
things that you can say, my, my gosh, God is, God is behind these kinds of things, right? Because there is no other explanation. It's kind of this inverse kingdom when I'm weakest. In my weakest point, God is the strongest in me. All the th- these things. So that's one side of, of, of it. But I think the other side that you can see is if you see the development of his own life, and the understanding from the experience of his own life, uh, the awareness that he had at the end of his life of the gratitude that that, uh, his heart had from from the life that he has been given, and the awareness of humility. (laughs) There was no way that I could claim anything for myself. And that is very clear. And I think this principle comes in that perspective. I, I call it wisdom. <laughs> I don't know. I call it humility. Uh, it is it is very helpful to see. Most of the of the stories of success, I, I cannot say most, but many of them, uh, apart from God, are stories in which some level it is the self. It makes sense that, that did it, right? I did it. I learned. I was able to that in God, we see a different story. So these are the two, I mean, it's the same as scripture. I mean, it's two, two, two different versions. Uh, the second one is the, the Passion Translation. It's not the ESV. Uh, but it's Psalm 90, uh, verse 12. This is Moses' uh, prayer, kind of one of the Psalms. Famous scripture. Teach us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. That's what I call it, wisdom. (laughs) You know, only when we are able to see things in the right perspective, we get this um, heart of wisdom. And I would say it's it's humility. You know, it is, what comes to mind right now is, is, uh, is Job, out of this amazing suffering, in his life and all this, I don't know how many chapters of, of the book of Job, but uh, this argument about God and, you know, he didn't know, I, I, I didn't do anything and with his friends. And there is a moment in which God speaks and gives perspective. <laughs> and you see that the, the Job say, well, okay, Lord, I have heard about you, but now I see. So it is a very humbling Thing. So kind of the same thing. I like the, the translation of the Passion about uh, of, of Psalm 9, 90, verse 12. Uh, it reads, helps us to remember that our days are numbered and help us to interpret our lives correctly. Look at that. Set your wisdom deeply in our hearts so that we might accept your correction. And I don't know you, but I am so often in need of that correction. You know, it's not a correction of judgment, a punishment. It's a correction of alignment. Help me see things, Lord, as you see them. Most of the time, I see things as I want to see them. (laughs) And I desperately need the direction of God. So this last principle, uh, I don't think needs to be appointed to the end of our lives. I'm sure when we are facing the end of our lives, and not the very last day, but you know, the, the later days of our lives, 
we might be able to relate with this a lot more, but it is that moment of, of sobriety, humility, wisdom, in which we can say, well, nothing of what I'm doing, uh, nothing that is worth it, what I'm doing, is probably something that I can take full credit for it. Some of the I did it in the Bible. There are so many. I just put two, right? But um, so bear, bear with me. I mean, this is Genesis 48, chapters 3 and 4. And this is Jacob talking. But this is Jacob at the very end of his life. <laughs> this is Jacob after all the story, amazing story of the, of of of, uh, of Genesis, right? So before he's, he blesses, right, the, the, the whole... Uh, People, I mean, his, his uh, the twelve uh, kids uh, or children of Jacob. He he says this. Jacob said to Joseph, "God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me, and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make of you a company of peoples, and will give this land to your offspring after you." for an everlasting possession. So there is this awareness in Jacob. You know the story of Jacob. is one of those long stories when we see a lot of striving from the beginning. You know, he's trying to hold his brothers. You know, striving to make it, to do it, you know, to go here and there. And at the end of, the, of his life, he has this, uh, this awareness. I didn't do it. You know, all this blessing, all this journey, all this amazing adventure, it was not mine. It was God. I like a lot Joshua. By the end of his life, also famous passage that comes to mind is my house, my household, and I will serve the Lord, right? Kind of in the same context. First judge of, um, of Israel after Moses. And he is getting old, and, and you know, there is this time of transition and uh, we find uh, this scripture there. And Joshua said to all, all the people, that says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Ephrates, Terah and the father of, of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. And to Isaac, I gave, I gave Jacob and, and Esau. And, you know, it keeps talking, but the point is, there's this awareness also in Joshua, in calling this, you know, all of these things that we have done. And Joshua have had a lifelong battle, if you want, you know, kind of conquering this land. And there is a land is mostly conquered and, and there he comes. What is the witnessing? What is the testament that he leaves to, for the people? Is uh, this was God? This was God. It was not me. You know, this could not have been me. What a what an amazing identity is developed if you think of the people of God as in every curve, if you want, of the life, they, they come back to this idea. This is something that we are not doing. It's God who is doing it for us. You can add David. David has amazing uh, words to say, nothing that I have is mine. Everything is yours. I was a little shepherd. 
no way that you you know I am gonna be the I'm the king and all of that. And you can see the same things in Paul and, and people of God saying, coming to a place of perspective in this spiritual principle of seeing who is doing what is being done. Okay, so that's a kind of a little bit of a biblical perspective. So three three ideas I share with you to start our conversation. First one. We need a humble and healthy perspective, right? Who did what I did? And, and we do need that. There are moments of, of uh, serenity and sobriety, I think, in which we need to see this. Our tendency is often kind of the opposite, right? We, we want to claim our successes. I, 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 there's no judgment in this. This is our nature. I want to... I want to look good. I want to, this, I, I did it. You know, I, you see, I have my three-year-old learning to, to crawl out of, of his uh, little, um, little bed. You know, he has the, the big things. It's, it's over. We, we cannot put him in, in time out there anymore because now he can, he can cross, but he is so happy. I did it. I did it. I did it. We want to acknowledge our successes. And we want to disown, we don't want to own our mistakes. <laughs> I didn't do it. It was not my fault. It was his fault, her fault, or whatever. From Adam and Eve and all that story, right? So things that, that is our nature, right? And I'm saying the nature of, I don't know, our, our brokenness, little self. But it takes intentionality and wisdom to come back to a healthy perspective. Right, And the healthy perspective is humility. So I'm not saying that we didn't do anything, we don't deserve anything. You can make a case right, for that, but it is humility. Humility is this very uh, amazing equilibrium <laughs> or balance in which the real point is not to, to, to become kind of the, the, the rag uh, that everybody walks on. <laughs> you know, I don't deserve anything. That's kind of false humility. Humility is about agreeing with God. Saying things or seeing things as God see them and agreeing with it. Yes, this is what God says it is. Right? And that's it. That, that, I think that is the essence of of this principle in my heart, you read about humility is amazing. I, I say this in my own, um, I guess, life. Uh, you know, there's one place in which you won't uh, be wrong <laughs> is in humility. There's no way to be wrong when you choose humility. And I'm talking a, a sober uh, a humility that is this, agreeing with God lay down my, my ideas, my opinions, my desires, my whatever, family of origin or whatever psychological aspects that I might have or amazing knowledge that I have attained over life or revelation. When I, I'm able to lay down that and, and agree with God, open the space for God to correct, I am talking about humility. Lots of good passages in Proverbs, right? Before the fall comes pride. <laughs> right? That's a pretty, pretty much. And a lot of ideas, the dangers of pride. So humility is what brings us, it brings our hearts closer to God. I believe so. God sent Jesus as a humble Savior. We find Jesus in, 
the places of humility. Humility is the antidote against the praise of pride. I think it's at the core of wisdom. You know, and you, you, you know this, you know all the perils of, of pride, right? Even the, the idea of, of uh, Lucifer and the, the, the account of, of this angel of lights that became the enemy, right? It's surrounded with pride. Pride is not a good thing. I have to remind my heart about that. Tendency is to pride. So, couple of quotes that I like. Thomas Kempis, the more humble and obedient to God a man is, the more wise and at peace he will be in all that he does. Humility, beautiful, is a holy detachment of the outcome in order to have an amazing attachment to God. That's the ultimate attachment. It's a correct attachment. Jim Barry, life is a long lesson in humility. I like I like the extension of this. <laughs> you know, extension. I mean, is is a long journey. We learn humility over the years, hopefully. So that's the first point: humble, healthy perspective. Let me go to the second point. God accomplishes His purposes through us. You know, as sure as it is, you know, and we're we're Christ's body. Uh, the body of Christ, uh, as, as sure as, as we can say that humility is safe, we also have to say that God doesn't. I mean, this is Mother Teresa uh, talking, you are the hands of Christ, you know. Uh, Christ doesn't have any other hands but yours, or the feet but yours, or the mouth but yours. So this is the will of God. So you and I are invited to, to step in. This is the purpose of our lives, right? Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are invited to walk in them. So, yeah, it is us. And that is one of those tensions and paradoxes of, of this spiritual life. We don't do anything, and yet we have to do it. I don't know if it makes sense. <laughs> God invites us to be the vessels and the ones who, who do this doing, but it is not us who do it, right? So God transforms our hearts, but keeps our personalities and our gifts, right? That he had placed the original blessing of our true self and use them. You know, I like the example of Paul. You know, you can see Paul, uh, you know, Saul, of Tarsus, you know, such a strong personality, maybe an aid in the Enneagram, I don't know, <laughs> but a very, very uh, strong, driven, opinionated, um, yeah, leader, very active. Uh, and you see this amazing transformation and all that energy becomes uh, an instrument in God's hands. Yeah, it's amazing to think that God has placed in me something that he wants to develop even beyond my brokenness, right? And, and just that idea of, of, of what God has given me, what 
owning this personality, these gifts is beautiful. I think it's the essence of understanding also our guiding principles. We talk in faith walking about guiding principles. It is this discovering of who God made me to be. Going beyond the false self, beyond the brokenness of my psychology or whatever it is, right? And, and discovering the essence of the true self. So I call this living with integrity. In essence, it's not an integrity about me doing what I just uh, say that I will do, uh, not only according to the design of God, but it, it is both, but it is integrity within myself. Being who God made me to be. Doing what God made me to do. No matter how great or small, how good or not, it is. So this is so freeing. I don't know if it is for, for you, but uh, thinking that I can reflect or be used by God and, and, and accomplish His purposes, Whatever area he has given me, either the business world, ministry, you know, isn't that amazing? I believe that that comes with, with this idea that God is the one who is doing things in me. It's not me doing those things. There is a sense of, of freedom and excitement to, to be who we wanted to be. Not trying to be something different. Not trying to figure out who we need to be. But actually, it's, it's an, in, a journey inside of us with God, with the Spirit, to discover who we really are. We have talked about self, true self and false self. What a beautiful thing. There is a redemption that takes place in me and sort of sets my gifts free for God to use me. Right? Lots of hope. What is impossible for men is... It's possible. It's not impossible. It's possible for God. We need to keep focusing our gaze above and let God dream, God's dreams become our own dreams. Have you ever had that idea that there are some dreams in you that are God's dream, dreams being dreamed through you? Learning to discern what it is not from God and what is from God is an amazing thing. I didn't do it. God did it. God planted this in me. Therefore, I can walk and step into it. You know, this, this is a, a very famous quotation. I thought at some point, I thought I was in the Bible. It's not. <laughs> this is, it is attributed to Dwight Moody. Uh, they're not sure if it was him, but uh, very similar to another passage in the Bible. But it says, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. By God's help, he says, I am to be that man. You see a lot of passion here, right? And that passion is life. And this is not a boot camp about who sacrifices the most. It's a very sober uh, acknowledgement of, of identity and what we can do and what we want and what we are able to do that happens in us. So that's our second Point, last point, I mean, this is just, uh, it's, it's a beautiful, you know, the mathematics of obedience. Have you ever thought about, you know, what in the world, what we can do? Look how God accomplishes his, his things. And, um, 
the the amazing risk that God, <laughs> in a way, uh, took to to come and uh, you know entrust it. And he said, let's say Jesus entrust this sort of message to people who were so broken and so uh, feeble as the disciples, right? And thanks God we can relate with all of them, <laughs> right? Especially in their brokenness. And yes, he gave us the Holy Spirit, and that is the beauty of it, right? But the mathematics of obedience. So uh, there's a story. I, I just said the story because I think I, I love this story. It, it actually is very, I, I got it very long time ago, and uh, it's about this pastor in Africa, uh, this missionaries, I'm sorry, uh, that decide to go to Africa. Their church pray, and they uh, align and agree with this calling of God and they make all the efforts and they set to Africa and, and start labor in Africa. And for many years, they labor and labor and labor and they don't see any fruit, any consistent fruit in their lives. Years keep passing. They keep and keep, you know, traveling and sharing the gospel, but there's no, nothing really working. Uh, in the sense of the success that we want to see, right? My gosh, a church that is growing. There is a, a group of converts, maybe a few churches planted over the years. And, but not. They, they decide to travel. They kind of uh, sort of hire or, or sort of adopt, and not completely as a son, but, you know, they, they take this little young orphan to travel with him. And, you know, most of the time he's, he's only then trying to, to preach the gospel across the different cities and villages. And, and many years pass, and after all these years, man, they have, they're getting older, they have to come back. They decide to come back, but they come back and they are kind of ashamed because their labor is not showing much fruit. What else to do? They come back, you know, and there is this story of, of wondering, what did we do? Did we do something? Did, did we do what the Lord asked us to do? You know, we didn't see any big thing. Years pass. This couple is back and, and, and eventually, uh, years later, this movement starts exploding in Africa. You know, all those amazing stories of evangelism. There's this young, amazing pastor, an African pastor who is holding these rallies and sharing the gospel and people come to know the Lord. And you know all those things. And I'm always talking about the most positive things about it, right? There's a, a, a huge movement of God. And everybody wants to know the secret, right? So magazines and whatever, churches come and they want to interview this pastor because they want to know what is what is the secret? What are you doing? What What is the secret formula that you're applying to get all of these things happening? And, and he said, well, I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. You know, what can I tell you? I don't know. I'm, this is just happening. What I can tell you is the story of this couple who lived here for many, many, many years. And I saw his faith, their faithfulness, and he's talking about this couple that has been there years. What happens is the young man who was an orphan, following them, helping them to as they were trying to get uh, believers, <laughs> was the vessel where all this message was being added. And pastors came 
back, nothing happened, but nothing happened. No, everything happened, right? Then you have this amazing revival. I love this story. I always love this story. I can tell that how much many times when I, I reflect on that, even tears uh, come because I see this is the work of God. So I call it the mathematics of obedience. You know, I didn't, God did it. So what is the thing that you are called to do that seems so small and irrelevant in the world, but might be one of those little seats in which God is doing that and we won't see it. <laughs> Maybe we won't see it, but it calls to obedience. It calls to faithfulness. And I believe that is a very good element to add to this principle. It's not only discernment about what I need to do, it is faithfulness. Do it. Because it's not, who, the, it's not you who is doing it. If it is from God, it's God who is doing it through you. And uh, what a beautiful... Uh, uh, this passage uh, is also a New Living Translation. Do not despise the small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin to see the plumb line in Sir Babel's hand, Zacharias, 4 and 10. You know the story, but I, I love the way that the New Living Translation captures this. Don't be afraid of these small beginnings, because if it is God doing it, it is worth it. It is worth it. Very humbling approach and reminder. So that's our fourth principle. I didn't do it. God did it. So I'd love to hear your comments. What comes to mind? Well, Marcus, uh, ironically, I was diagnosed with uh, the spinal degeneration disease this past week. And I was also told that I stand a great chance of not being able to walk. I've already started with the symptoms and uh, even the use of my hands, um, having to get really creative. Um, at first, I panicked really bad. Um, I had nine specialists that turned me down, said they couldn't do nothing for me. And I also found out I had a fracture, you know, in my spine, but not my spine, but in the disc. So I found out the reason for the pain that has been chronic, but I got scared as soon as I par paralyzed, not be able to walk. You know, I used to be, I worked in the medical field for 12 years, 12 years, uh, helped people that were disabled and never wished that on anybody, especially myself. But anyway, so when you started talking about this story, I was just like, wow, because I know you didn't know about all this. And, um, but I did find a specialist to go see tomorrow and uh, I'm thankful, I'm encouraged. But that part where you said, do not despise these small beginnings what went through my head was I don't know what the small beginning is through this or what he's going to do with this um, I just have to have hope that through this there he's got some reason for it um, I've already had people shout at me believers and say well uh, you know God can heal you you know God can do this mm. I do believe in healing I do but I also believe that he chooses whom he will and whom he won't. And, and so I, I just, he could have healed me from this before I got to this point, you know, but anyway, so Thank this is encouraging. Much. 
Thank you for sharing. And uh, I'm so sorry to hear about the diagnosis. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can, and I, I hear, I imagine the, the fear and what's going to happen. And, and yes, I, I also agree, God can heal. And, and yes, I know that not all the time, necessarily, that is the path. But I encourage you to, to, to read about the, the story of this pastor. Yeah. I am actually, when you were speaking, I looked him up and I had, I actually had sent Trish a message because she knows about this as well. And I said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, how ironic, you know, yeah. that, yes, I know God's speaking to all of us, but I feel this is very personal and, and I'm definitely going to be doing uh, more research on him. Yeah. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you for sharing. Wow. I, and I just have to add to that, Brenda. I love it when he's, I know he is specifically speaking into your situation right now and encouraging you, but through encouraging you, he encourages all of us. Um, like those, like the synchronicity that I mentioned to you, he does those things. So we're like, pay attention. I'm working here. <laughs> so that's, that's neat. I, I do pray that, um, you are healed, but I, I know God is at work no matter what happens with any of us. And I'm so thankful. And I, I've been writing everything down. I wish I could record this whole thing and keep it to remember someday because y'all are all my witnesses of what God is about to do in my life to all these other naysayers out here or these people over here Bible thumping me. I know the verses. I know about healing. I am a prayer warrior. Y'all never hear me on here, but trust me, I know how to pray. You know, so, but I, I guess God is, he, 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 obviously he's yes at work here. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Brenda. What you said um, about keeping, keep focusing our gaze above, um, I, I just, that really resonated with me. Because I think whatever goes on with us, sometimes we just get so myopic about it. I mean, uh, and it's so limited by. Um, by the way, by our perspectives and the way we approach things and think about things and um, to keep our gaze above, keep, you know, yes. all things are possible with him and what he does is good and he will reveal his purposes. Uh, yes. I, you know, it's just a word to me to not strive, to seek his face, but then be grateful for um, for whatever he brings. Yeah. And even you, your word about small beginnings. Yeah. Maybe small. Yeah. yeah. It's very free. You, you said that earlier about, about this yeah. topic, Marcus, yeah. free, freeing. Yeah, so it is, it is not only freeing, but I believe... It transforms our journey, our life, into a, a place of, of, of waiting. It's a humble place, it's an obedient place. 
there is a passage in Colossians that comes in mind when you're saying that this is our lives, my life and your life, the real life, the true life, is hidden with Christ in God. Right? And this is when Christ is revealed. And it's not only second coming. When he's revealed in this circumstance that Brenda is going, in this circumstance that you are going, when Christ is revealed, my life is going to be really revealed with him too. I'll just echo what Saul said because it's exactly what we were talking about when we were in our breakout room, um, looking to God's purpose. And I'm I'm just grateful for the conversation I had with Saul and and for the reinforcement here. It gives me a lot to think about and to pray about and to and to walk in. Thanks, Judith. Hmm. I was going to say, Brenda, uh, thank you for sharing um, your testimony, like you say, because that's what it is, it's a testimony. And it reminded me of the young lady that Trish knows. Um, her name is uh, Yvonne Barkins. And um, I got a chance to know her and some of the pain that she was going through as we were sitting in our classroom. But I deeply got to understand a lot of pain that she was going through as we, you know, as we journeyed on. And um, her journey of what she's going through and the different doctors and stuff has encouraged me, you know, because I didn't know what I would be in a place where I have five vertebrates um, torn. And so her testimony of having faith in God and still keeping her eyes focused um, on everything that she has to do and th things that God and call her do has encouraged me. So like you said, Brenda, your testimony will indeed encourage, and that's why I, I thank you for sharing that. Um, you're allowing us to go on a journey with you to see what awesome things that God can do for his people. So again, I just wanted to say thank you and everybody else who shares their testimony of what God is able to do. Thank you. Oh, thank you for knowing that. Very encouraging. And I'll be praying for you. Thank you, friends. How different is the space in which I can feel the sense of, of, of waiting on God and believing in Him? You know, how, how much uh, strength this space has, feels. Powerful, and it's not anybody's strength. It's not any certainty, but just the certainty that the, there is hope, right? In Him, He is the God of hope, and in hope we wait. And I was just reminded last night of this passage: Whoever waits in the Lord will never be put to shame. Thank you, friends. I'm going to share my screen one more time to, to read this um, prayer by June, to receive it, to declare it to each other, because it's for us. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Whatever are your circumstances. Amen. I'm gonna look twice at you Until I see the Christ in I'm looking through the eyes of love Till I'm looking through the eyes